This is episode 499 of the Macworld Podcast for March 16th, 2016. Hello, folks, and we're back with the Macworld Podcast. I'm Glenn Fleischman, a senior contributor at Macworld. And joining me, as she is every week, is Susie Oaks, executive editor of Macworld. Hello, Susie. Hey, Glenn. Nice to be back. 499. 499. It's a big number. Also joining us is Roman Loyola, a senior editor at Macworld. Hello, Roman. Hello. How's it going? It is uh, it's swell. It's allergy season, which is most of the year for me, but what can you do about that except burn all the trees around you? <laughs> I've not gone to that extreme yet, but they know Don't what they that. did. I work, this is, uh, you know, as it's becoming a habit, unfortunately, as um, we are going to talk about uh, the FBI and some lawsuits, but also about South by Southwest, the iPhone SE rumor roundup as they go from rumors to being closer to reality and some hardware uh, updates at the end. Uh, I think we should start with our FBI roundup. We need like some special FBI music. Dun, 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 dun. Sure the, uh, <laughs> I've got the, kind of a chips song in my head. Not the chips. That's Rockford yeah. Files. That won't work. Um, well, I wanted to point out this amazing uh, NPR interview with Richard Clark, um, who's a former National uh, Security Administration or agency head. And um, he is, uh, you know, a pretty hardcore dude, right? I mean, he was a senior counterterrorism official in the uh, – oh, I'm sorry. He wasn't the uh, head of the NSA. He was senior counterterrorism official in the U.S. government but uh, for many years. And he worked under both uh, Clinton and George W. Bush. And um, he gave a interview to NPR that was uh, – you know, some people might think this is some kind of flaming liberal who uh, who plots the destruction of America or something. I'm, I'm just being funny here. But uh, he really cites the fact that in his view as a former official uh, that this is a very FBI – Department of Justice, specifically James Comey-led issue that the administration is letting him take the lead on because people everywhere else uh, in the administration that he is aware of and former officials from the NSA and FBI and other groups all basically kind of side with Apple. And he said, uh, if I were in the job now, I would have simply told the FBI to call Fort Meade, the headquarters of the NSA, and they would have solved this problem for them. They're not as interested in solving the problem as they are in getting a legal precedent. Mm-hmm. And that's a... No, that's a that's pretty what, strong that's statement. That's what Susan Landau said in the congressional hearing. And um, James Comey kept saying, oh, they won't work with us. Like, the NSA said they couldn't do it. And she, like, basically called him out. She was like, I don't think that that's true. I don't think that he's telling the truth right now. So, yeah, this is just more confirmation that it's really the precedent that they're after more than the actual technical know-how. I thought this was a was a really great interview. I mean, he says... Like, so Obama spoke at South by Southwest on Friday, and he, I mean, you know, he is the head of the executive branch of the government, so he kind of has to be on team government. Um, but he's also, you know, a congressional uh, professor and knows a lot about the law and these kinds of precedents. So I'm sure that he understands, like, what's at stake here. Um, and he was, you know, talking about, like, finding a balance and balancing, like, some risks against others and that, you know, there really are bad actors that the government has to, has to, um, you know, fight against on our behalf. Um, but but what Richard Clark says here is that, um, yeah, like, you know, there there are limits. Like, we're already operating under limits. Like, we don't torture people. That's a limit. Um, and he says we could get crazy and talk about, you know, it would make at the far extreme to make the FBI's job easier. We could put ankle bracelets on everybody so we'd know where everybody was all the time. 
That's a ridiculous example, but my point is encryption and privacy are larger issues than fighting terrorism. So, you know, yeah, Obama says we have to balance like risks against, you know, personal freedoms. Um, and they're saying, and, and, you know, Richard Clark here is agreeing with him, but saying that that line should be closer to the personal freedom side than the risk side. And that's really what the debate is. And that's what we're going to have to figure out. Um, I think today as we're recording, this is the 15th, it's going to come out on the 16th. So right. I think the 15th was the, the final deadline for pre pre-hearing briefings to be submitted for that, um, hearing that's next Tuesday, the 22nd. Yeah. And I would say, uh, related to this is, um, I think what I keep coming back to, and uh, I will link to John Oliver did this very funny uh, piece on encryption. He's doing really, you know, he does, he's an incredibly funny guy and he tackles these issues like encryption and uh, healthcare insurance and, um, you know, just uh, uh, net neutrality. It's really amazing what he does on his new show, his HBO show. And they post these long excerpts. And uh, in his encryption piece, he pointed out, uh, just reminded me, and we've talked about this in the podcast, that this is all moot. Whatever happens here, there are hundreds of other pieces of software, most of them developed outside the United States, mm -hmm. that allow perfect encryption according to everything that's known today. Like none of these have been broken. And at the same time, you have companies like uh, Facebook owns WhatsApp, which employs uh, TextSecure, a component from uh, Whisper, which is considered um, the gold standard right now of uh, sort of uh, knowledge-free by the vendor encryption uh, and, and encryption and, and Facebook's like, well, we're going to extend this. And WhatsApp's like, yep, yeah, we're looking at using uh, the Whisper approach for uh, voice next. We've done it for text. And so you're seeing companies advance. I uh, also saw some interesting commentary in recent days about uh, the next frontier being apps that the government, if it can't get the operating systems to crack, which is, you know, seeming potential and unlikely uh, th that they, uh, that they will. I mean, I guess I can't predict the outcome, but it's, it's, very plausible that the government will not be able to compel Apple or any other company to do this. Uh, the next thing is apps. So maybe you can't break iMessage, but maybe you get uh, moles into companies or you uh, threaten firms that are much smaller that won't go and don't go public with it and don't produce a court fight. And these firms suborn their software uh, on behalf of the FBI. Another thing that came up was the idea of pushing custom software updates to individual users. So the FBI might say, that's fine. We understand you're not going to break your operating system. Just send a patch to user uh, UUID phone uh, number, blah, blah, blah. And that'll be the decrypted one. And that, you know. Oh, and just that, turn on the microphones and the camera while you're at it too, you know. Yeah. Just... But it's true. I mean, that's the thing. If the FBI could provide a UUID of a phone, conceivably that might actually achieve the level of like a, a warrant-based intercept that Apple might have to do something about. I don't know. And that could all be secret as well. So there's all these different. Uh, angles that are coming out that are um, each more troubling. But you know, the question is, what will happen with people watching so closely? I, I recommend that John Oliver piece. Have you had a chance to look at it? It's like 12 minutes long, so I don't know if either of you... Yeah, we embedded it on the site yesterday. Oh, Did good. you watch it, Roman? Yeah, and he was on... Oliver was on uh, the late late the late show with Stephen Colbert last oh, night and oh, talked about neat. it again. It's so. funny. The the last bit of the, the, the... Most of it's about encryption. The last bit is him basically making fun of Apple, which is pretty cute. I got to say, it's a modified Apple commercial. And it's like, you know, here's our programmers. They're working to keep up. Like, they're only a few minutes ahead of everyone else. <laughs> and what do you want? Like, ah! And I'm screaming, tearing things off the wall and smashing computers. I mean, that was kind of Fred, Craig Federighi's point when he did that op-ed like a week or two ago. I guess it was just a week ago. Time's moving pretty fast. Anyway, he said that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the government liked iOS 7 because we could get into it but you know we don't we can't go backwards 
an encryption. And it's like, yeah, I mean, the hackers and everybody who's, you know, you know all the bad guys, if you will, are, are moving forward very quickly. And if we <laughs> want to stay ahead of them and keep everyone safe, like we have to keep stepping up encryption. And that commercial was really funny, but it was just like, look, we're like a week ahead of the hackers. Like, <laughs> we have to keep going. We can't we can't stop and do this. I definitely think there's a yeah, I know. There's a, it's a funny point. It's like I, I had a very popular tweet recently, which I said was uh, Federal Trade Commission uh, in the voice of the FTC. Hey, companies, uh, make your products more secure or we're going to take action against you. You know, tech companies. Yes, yes, of course. FBI, but not too secure. You know, yeah. you're like, oh, hey, wait a minute. There's a tension here. So it's keep ahead of the hackers, but not ahead of the government. Guys, it's a different. Uh. I thought the government could just hire whatever hackers they wanted and hack everything. They that's, can. I that's, mean, that's their the problem. Thing. Like, that's I don't want to know about it. <laughs> there are, I also I saw a couple things. I think uh, Oliver's piece and a couple other places that were actually generally in support of Apple or were criticizing the FBI's approach here said, well, Apple could, you know, Apple isn't helping, or they said Apple isn't helping to hack. And I'm like, I think Apple is probably doing everything in their power based on statements from other law enforcement agencies and other groups besides the FBI right now. Um, we should address this one last thing, too, uh, by the way, which is uh, the notion that the Department of Justice would seize Apple's source code, that that's been floated now uh, as a oh, threat. Yeah. You know, it was, first it was a they threat. They kind of threatened that in their, in their last... Uh in their last little thing. And then a little more explicit, too. And that's that, you know, look, if you want any proof, again, it's not a political podcast, but people talk about the tyranny of government. They're like, well, what they do is they start seizing uh, private property and making it public. I'm like, look, are you kind of playing into the fears of people on all parts of the political spectrum when you say we're just going to take your source code because the legal process didn't work for us? Like that may not be the best thing to do right now. Yeah, like I hate how fear is just kind of used as, you know, a, a reason and, and a motivator and stuff in, in politics today. Everything's kind of, you know, they sell everything based on fear. But this really scares me. Like, this is really scary. <laughs> it's not. Like, this is not good. Not so, really I don't know. Approach. Like, I hope that the the law comes down on the right side. And I hope that Congress, you know, will eventually step in and do something. Because another thing that, you know, that keeps getting pointed out is that if we just do this in the courts, it's going to be messy because, you know, courts don't always agree with each other and, you know, appeals take forever and, and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's nuts. We'll keep watching it. It's not, not, not going away. <laughs> like Glenn's fiber internet, this is going to be a recurring topic. Over, over hill, over dale, my fiber will never fail well, <laughs> until someone cuts it. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we're going to be talking about this for a while to come. Yeah, it won't be like next week. Uh, you know, the court hearing judge says, nope, that's it. And FBI says, okay, sorry, we'll go away. And then the Apple will just be like, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but let's talk about something fun, which is uh, that's more, much more fun than this, which is the yeah, South- The John Oliver thing was fun. And yeah. one last thing. I've, oh, yeah. If, if you haven't seen if, if you, well, if you haven't seen it, you should watch it because it's hilarious. But if you have like people in your life that still sort of don't get it and they're like, well, I doesn't. Apple just unlocked that phone for the cops. Um, this is a really good explainer. Like he really gets all the implications, all the nuances. He goes back to the crypto wars of the 90s, gives it some historical perspective. Like it's not only entertaining, but it's like really informative. It's 18 minutes, but it's worth it. So pass this link around that we're going to have in the show notes. And that's it. Uh, one thing about the Oliver thing, I think some people might think that Oliver is really pro-Apple, but I- on when he was on Colbert's show the other night, he really made an effort to try and s- explain that this is really complicated and that while he kind of leans towards Apple, he understands why the government 
is trying to do what it what what it what it what it wants to do, because it needs, feels like it needs to protect its citizens. And so he he kind of tried to like temper it a little bit by saying, "Yeah, I, I think I'm for Apple, but I I really do understand where where everyone else is coming from. So if you feel like if you're not really for Apple on this, it's still worth the watch to watch this segment because, like Susie said, it is very it, it covers a lot of bases. It explains it clearly. Yeah, he kind of goes through the process. And he even says, like, there's no easy side to be on in this debate. Like, you can't just say, like, privacy all the way. Like, I don't care about terrorism. You can't say, like, fighting terrorism is the most important thing and it supersedes everyone's privacy. Like, there's no easy answer. So that's why, you know, he does such a good job, I think, of, of going through it kind of bit by bit and, and getting you there with logic. It's so crazy. I... Uh... You know, it's funny. I have to go watch the uh, Colbert one now because I thought the other. I thought he was very fair. That's the thing is he's not. He's not acting as an Apple advocate. He's like, look, Apple is, and then you know, and then explains a lot of things that are problematic with uh, with Apple as well. We all know that Apple can be problematic. No, never. What are we talking about? <laughs> uh, okay, well, so from John Oliver, uh, we should go to uh, South by Southwest, the uh, annual c- conference for now technology. It was once just music, but. There's a big technology part and then a big music part uh, in Austin, Texas. Home film. of great What's that? Film as well. Film. Oh, I forgot. Oh, oh yes, of course, right. So It just keeps getting bigger. They do like education music. stuff now, they do environmental stuff. I mean, that's all kind of piggybacking on the technology stuff. They're doing a, a big summit on harassment this this year. Um, so yeah, we've got three reporters in Austin right now. And they're coming back today. They're going through some really interesting life changes there, from what I can tell by their, <laughs> their accounts. This is a transformative event. Um, no well, one will be the same. They did go to a restaurant that's donut-themed. So they had, like, a burger on a donut. And that kind of thing can change you. Burger on a I don't know if I want that. There was a salad that had, like, just a wait, donut wait. sitting on top of a salad. If I don't want that, you. it's do- donut want. There it changes you, you multiple ways. <laughs> <laughs> Inside and out. <laughs> Inside and out. You'll never be the same. Well, I know Austin is a home of great barbecue unless you live anywhere else and then you say your barbecue is the best. So unless you're in Minnesota. Uh, so let's see. So what's going on there? We uh, uh, There's a bunch of stuff. Uh, BB-8 was visiting. Uh, uh, there's some Samsung Studio News. What's what's the interesting thing for for the uh, the Apple world from South by Southwest? Given that Apple doesn't really participate, I'm sure there are Apple employees wandering around there. Yeah, Apple has a pretty big office in Austin. And when I was there two years ago, I kind of weaseled my way into an Apple like private event party kind of thing. It wasn't, you know, to, to launch anything or it was just, you know, kind of a networking like, you know, tech people talking to each other, eating tacos, drinking beer, as you do in Austin. Um but yeah, they don't have any kind of public presence at the show. So, but there is, you know, like brands are just all about it. There is a convention center, but most of the stuff happens outside. There's like, you know, Mashable House. And um, so we had the video crew there and Oscar went to the Samsung studio because they did a huge presence to launch the Galaxy uh, S7. So he he made a couple of videos of, you know, what an iPhone user thinks of the Galaxy S7 and um, that was kind of cute. They also did a, a VR roller coaster that they got to ride. So it was like one of those motion rides that you see sometimes where you sit in a chair and they shake you around. Only you're also wearing a VR headset. 
and he said it, he really felt like he was on a roller coaster. And then those roller coasters are coming to Six Flags <laughs> um, this summer, which what? is kind of funny. Yeah. Oh so like, gosh. but I don't get it. Like you're already at Six Flags, right? Like they have real roller coasters <laughs> there. <laughs> if, but maybe if it's raining or oh you know God. the line is shorter or whatever, you'd rather ride a VR roller coaster than a than a Six Flags real roller coaster. I don't know. I, VR makes me barf so. Yeah, I, I mean, like. I want the. I want a simulation of uh, that. I can just be sitting on a sofa wherever I am. Just put it on. and I'm on a sofa. It'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> the yard work simulator. The uh, no, that's too much work for me. I just want to be. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, they also went to Google Cloud Studio and saw uh, like a robot that uses machine learning to identify pictures. You know how Google Photos is all about you know being able to find photos of you took a picture of a pizza. And it just knows that that's a picture of a pizza. And then later you can search for pizza and all your pizza photos will come up. Um, and hopefully no photos of, you know, your face when you were 13 and you had a lot of zits. Um, so, yeah, she went and saw that. There was a, a cool like 180 degree thing where you could kind of jump up in the air and it would take a cool uh, gif or gif, as they say, of you jumping up and freezing midair like the oh. Matrix I did, they, they, those are commercially available now. You know, I had one uh, uh, at the local science museum. I did one, and um, they have kind of like a big circular space you go into, and it's it's um, it, was, it was fine. Uh, it's sort of hilarious. So you can rotate uh, the image. You can use a QuickTime VR style thing to do you it. Know, I'm sure these all are kind of reminds me of science museum stuff. Like the yeah, other thing yeah. they saw was this like art installation, um, musical instrument kind of thing called the Ark, and it's played by five people at once. Mm. And they have something like that at the Exploratorium, kind of like it was. It's all well, stuff. The, like the, the only time thing. I went to South by Southwest, I found it like sort of infantilizing at the beginning because like there's, <laughs> so there's all these brands and they're all like falling over each other to take care of you. Like everywhere you go, they're like, "Do you need water? Do you need food? Like, do you need Advil? Are you okay?" And you're like, "Wow, you know, it's, it's just a convention. I'm fine." But then and of course, brands. by day two, I was like, help me, Bran, save brands. me from myself. It's the Walking Dead. Just yeah, so now instead of just, you know, feeding you and, and entertaining you, now they're also like, yeah, c come come learn about science and our, our hands-on installations. Well, I saw our friend Flo Ion from Greenbot uh, tweet. She's not there, but she tweeted about um, the uh, Samsung Studio thing that lets you, like, draw something and then you can share it with other people and create kind of like an assemblage and then you can send it to somebody else. It was like a shared studio experience. And, um, and I looked at it, I thought this is one of those things that demos really well, it <laughs> makes a great video, but the complexity of it, people don't interact in that way. Yeah. This is why texting is so, uh, has become such a big deal. Uh, not, you know, drawing. I mean, it's just, it's just funny what companies want to encourage people to do or develop products around. I'm like, I don't think anyone, I mean, I never used, when I had an Apple Watch, which I sold, I never used the heartbeat feature. I used it once or twice to test with people. And okay, so my sweetie doesn't have a heartbeat watch, right? So that's part of it. But it's, it's also- It's way too intimate to do with like regular people. Right. But I talk to people who have, you know, both people and a couple or multiple people or whatever have it's these- and couples for dating. sure. But I'm still like, it's just like the heartbeat thing is a demo feature because it's not, you know, A, it's not actually your heartbeat and, and uh, it's a sim, you know, it's like a simulation of a thing. And B, it's like it's there's a lot of other ways we communicate more directly and intimately. Um, and so I had that same reaction to seeing the Samsung thing. It was like a great concept idea. I've seen uh, there was something called Mixler for uh, iPad for a while. It was really um, or not Mixler what was it? Oh, I forgot. It was like a collaborative drawing thing. Um, anyway, it just uh, I always beware things that look 
really great, but I can't imagine not just me using it because I'm not always the target of things. Ha ha. <laughs> Sometimes I'm not, uh, but I can't imagine anyone using it on a routine basis because it has such a specific use case and it's so complicated to, you know, coordinate it. Yeah, it seems like some of the big things they were pushing are really like things that you would use all the time, like the like low light photos. Okay, every that's a big pain point for everyone being able to take a decent picture yeah. when there isn't a lot of light. And then the other thing was the waterproof, which you know I really hope. Like I, I mean Roman, you know everyone in our office has been sick. How great would it be if we could just <laughs> go over to the sink and rinse off our disgusting phones? <laughs> Oh, I love that. Oh. oh, I never thought about that. You just rinse it off. Oh, my gosh. That's a great use. Because I love use. rinsing off my Apple Watch. Do you ever rinse yours off? Just give it a little rinse. I actually, every once in a while, maybe like once a week, I use those uh, sanitary wipes. The, the, Flo got like me a bunch Clorox of those for Christmas. wipes yeah. on my phone and on my watch because, you know, it's after, I, after commuting on BART for a week, you sit there and kind of go... I'm going to hold this to my face. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. Totally. Where's <laughs> that wipe? This reminds me of wanting to sterilize my keyboards, too. There's a lot of products that uh, advertise ultraviolet and other ways to sterilize your keyboards. Yeah. But I like the idea of Yeah, Flo just did under- a thing for GreenBot on how to, and she looked at some of those ultraviolet, like I, I was calling them phone coffins, because they totally look like little like Dracula oh. coffins you put your phone in, and the, the light is supposed to kill all the germs. But I don't know, then I would want to put everything in there. Like my son uses my iPad mini and it's always got this like sticky whatever on it. It's gross. Anyway. um, Yeah. So, but the biggest thing, the thing that got the most impact on Macworld so far is the Altwork desk. Oh, I saw that. So South by Southwest isn't a big hardware show, but they went to a hardware house and they saw some cool things. So this desk, um, you can lie all the way down. It looks like you're in a dentist chair with a computer like hanging above your head. And then it has these crazy powerful magnets that you can put in your wireless keyboard and even in your mouse. So they stick to the desk. So you just reach up and you're typing and you're doing your mouse. And I mean, it was getting mixed reactions. Like some people were like, oh my God, this would like change my life. And other people were like, what? Like, why would you want to work lying down? And I guess the founder, the inventor, um, had, you know, a serious injury. Like he was in a car accident or something and messed up his back. So I don't know. Like I have been blessed to not, I'm knocking on wood right now, not have any back pain so far and not had to deal with a lot of back pain. But I know the people who have are like, God, this sucks. There's like nothing you can do about it. And trying to mold yourself into, you know, like an unforgiving workstation would just make it worse. Uh, Laura Hillenbrandt, who wrote uh, the book Seabiscuit, among another of, a number of interesting uh, nonfiction works, um, she had uh, some chronic fatigue thing that I think she has finally beaten after decades. And there were times when, or it was like a balance and fatigue thing. So she wrote most of Seabiscuit lying on her back with things like suspended around her so she could make phone calls and type and so forth. I mean, it's it's interesting how, you know, work is therapy for a lot of people. And um, uh, and some people, it's just the only way they could work is in these environments. So it's nice that this being thought of that, you know, it's not a one size fits all, but uh, it is pretty interesting. I mean, we see people, this reminds me of recumbent bikes, which are probably safer to um, use than, <laughs> than regular bikes, but uh, or uh, better for your body rather, but also put you underneath the, uh, the uh, radar of cars driving around you, which is problematic as well. Luckily, you don't have to drive this down the road. 
Yeah, so I mean, our lead picture is like Caitlin like lying in this thing, and it definitely looks like she's in a dentist chair. And people were like, "Why would you want to look lying down?" But it's so adjustable; like every single thing on it adjusts. So if you're like, "Oh, this monitor is like an inch too low, an inch too high, like too close to me, too far away," um, you can sit, you can stand. It can go from like totally laying down to like totally standing up in I think thirty seconds. So it's not even just that you can um, work lying down; it's you can work. Anyway, oh my god, this terrifies me. I'm watching her cantilever it back uh, over her, and I'm just going, ah, yeah, it's (laughs) wacky, right? It's a cool video. So that that's that's been the the biggest thing so far that's come out. So it's crazy that you know we flew to to Austin to see the craziest desk ever. I mean, it's also a four thousand dollar desk, and that's you know, and you can get up to like six thousand dollars if you want it even fancier. But um. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I don't think we're going to get one in the office anytime soon, so I'm glad they got to go yeah. shoot that video. Oh, I want one because sometimes I just get tired holding my head up. Yeah. Yeah. Because I have a big head. And they could put, oh, me too, brother, <laughs> me too, brother. It's just tiring holding about, it up. Does it sometimes. have a feeding attachment is what I want to know. I want the... Uh, <laughs> right, like a, a gerbil, uh, <laughs> exactly. hamster water feeder. Get like a Soylent Ooh. tank in there and a really long okay, straw. Roman, Roman you finish your editing task. Again. Here's a pellet. Hopefully yeah. not. Every uh, time, every time Roman publishes a publishes a story, you know, it sounds like a ton of money. Out. But you know, when you price stuff from uh, some of the major companies like Steelcase and these other uh, uh, office furniture things, now an entire cubicle setup can cost thousands of dollars. Yeah, easily with a chair. So if this is replacing that for someone, but you know, you're buying it individually, you're like, yeah, I'm going to put one of these in my house. I mean, it's I all blew, on wheels, so you know you could move around. I blew some money on a standing desk, but it was you know for, I saw a tenth of that or fifteen percent of that because I wanted one that would go up and down. Turns out I actually never put the standing desk down; I just always stand. So didn't need the down part of it, but I wanted to have uh, flexibility. So uh, yeah, mine goes up and down, and I just like never put it up. The, so the wheels and the desk maybe, go up maybe and down. Maybe today I'll make my desk stand. The wheels and the desk go up and down. Um, and oh yeah, so Obama was at South by Southwest and. Yeah, it's too bad he kind of dropped an egg there because I don't think that was the audience where you say, you know, we really need these golden keys, back doors. You guys are fetishizing. It's like it's a little bit like I mean, he uh, talked oh, about some other stuff too, I but know, yeah, that was like frustrating. Yeah. It was like remember when William Shatner called you know Star Trek fans a bunch of nerds and he got kind of <laughs> some blowback. Obama no. going to South by Southwest. You guys fetishize your phones, I'm like dude, you're gonna be <laughs> you're gonna be out of office soon, and you're gonna be realizing that BlackBerry you use is a little out of date. You're gonna get an iPhone and go, wait, what do you mean people can read stuff? He's got teenagers. It. I'm sure. He yeah, knows I don't want about Malia cool to be phones. able to read this. What's the deal? Oh, yeah. I was so wrong. Um, I, actually, one of the most profound. I want to circle back to the Oliver clip. One of the most profound things in that was um, the senator who he showed making uh, Lindsey Graham making ridiculous statements a few months ago, and then showed footage from a recent hearing where Graham said, "You know, I was wrong. I didn't understand it as well. Now I get it." And you're like, "Oh, wait a minute!" What? And that's Lindsey Graham. Yeah, that was Co- amazing. Holy I had no cow. idea that it happened. No, I missed it because I think the coverage is of people being clueless. But uh, anyway, I think Obama will get the. You know, you, when you're in office, uh, he's got to support his. Uh, he he got yeah, into bed with the Yeah, Obama can't speech. be like, yeah, Team Apple. I mean, like that's you know, <laughs> he's on the government. He's the government. Like I know, that's but he him. sets policy, and he could. I mean, you know, Clinton had to walk back and forth with the clipper chip, and uh, that's been interesting reading the, uh, the history of that again. Uh, so, if you want to see Obama in a in where the way that will not irritate you if you're on uh, the Apple side of this equation or the uh, the strong encryption side, watch the Hamilton uh, coverage from. Monday, where uh, the cast of Hamilton performed, uh, you could see two songs in a playback from the White House, and that's uh, much less irritating to watch. 
I watched that three times yesterday. Oh, Did you? Watched, Are you a big Hamilton fan? I've, yeah, I'm kind of addicted. To, I listen to the soundtrack every day at work. That's awesome. Oh my God. I'm a little I can't, addicted. It's too intense you know, for me went, to like, a week ago. Yeah, I'm kind of jealous. She <laughs> like wouldn't listen to it before she went. She was like, I'm going to like, because the soundtrack is the whole play, right? So, right. so she, yeah, she, she saved herself yeah. to go see. It. Oh man, it's so, but it's so complicated. If you, if I hadn't heard it before, I wouldn't be able to make out the follow the lyrics. And um, I got my kids addicted too. But you know, I can't listen to it while I'm working because it's too, too intense and too complicated. It makes my brain work. In yeah, the I wrong tried way. when I was working. I couldn't do it. Uh, do they do the same songs at the White House that they did on the Grammys? They did. Uh, they did the intro number and they did the uh, not throwing my shot. I'm not throwing my shot. But then yeah. they cut it off. Everyone was watching it. And we're all. Every, I'm watching on Twitter. We're all watching it. And it's like, boo, like wait, wait. Uh, like, we knew they weren't going to show everything, but they didn't tell you how much they're going to do, and they just shut off with no explanation. Yeah, I saw on Twitter everyone freaking out. I had to mute the hashtag. Oh <laughs> my gosh. Well, it was just. It was. They could have said we're going to. You know, there would be half an hour. We'll show two songs. They didn't do that at all. They said he's performing 15 songs. It's like, well, they're surely not going to show, you know, uh, two, half the show or a third of the show, however many, I think third of the show, uh, they're not going to air that. But anyway, when, you know, this is now this is becoming a Hamilton podcast is all podcasts yes. become. It's so good though. It's so good. Uh, well, just, you know, just, uh, I suggest, um, mortgaging your firstborns. That's, uh, how you get this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go into the iPhone SE roundup, assuming that is the name of a smaller phone that, uh, uh, we're getting to hear a lot more rumors about that are moving from rumor to close to uh, feeling like they're going to be true. It's because days away. Days away. <laughs> it's funny though. You know, I used to never want to cover rumors. We've talked about this before. I don't. I don't like covering rumors because uh, rumors used to be so unsourced, and there's so many of them. But now it's like there's a few places, especially nine to five Mac. Uh, but there's a few places where the rumors are generally so accurate. They're not rumors. They're getting good leaks from good sources. They're not inventing things. And so it's like, all right, it's a rumor. But when you have a track record like that, it's it's not a prediction. It's like this is information coming out. And so we have some details to talk about. But Yeah, so this fake phone video yeah. landed in my inbox yesterday. Oh, and I, got I got it three pitched like three times. I got people. it forwarded. Yeah, oh, so geez, I Googled it to see if anyone had bitten. And a few sites kind of had it up being like, oh, look, like, you know, this supposed footage of the iPhone. So so I put it in our rumor roundup. Like, we, we, we didn't used to do a lot with rumors, and we've kind of changed that. But so what we're doing lately is we'll have, like, one rumor post about, a, you know, a piece of hardware. So we have one about the iPhone SE. Well, used to be called the iPhone 5 SC. Now mm-hmm. it's the, the rumors have changed. So we'll just do one thing and we'll put all the rumors in there and kind of say like, okay, like here's that. the rumor that's going around. Here is how plausible we think it is and kind of like grade them that way. So yeah, so this thing came up and, and just because other people were covering it and, and my whole news team was out, um, I was like, okay, I'm going to put this in here just to say like, I think this rumor is fake. So I don't know. Did you guys watch it? I watched it? half of it and I was kind of like, this is this is BS. And yeah. then I stopped watching it. The screen capture turned me off. Stupid. Just looking yeah. at the screen, I was like, no. Yeah, I felt dumb even putting it in there, but I was no, put it in there to say, like, this is, I mean, here's a fake video for your entertainment. I know. <laughs> I and people know. like Maybe I shouldn't have done it. So excited. I mean, look, so we know there's tons of leaks that come out of the factory now um, because uh, case manufacturers pay employees to give them specs so they can mm-hmm. make cases that ship day of product or pretty close after that. So it's not weird that there would be something that was prototyped to look the same as what's going to come out. I won't be surprised if the thing that they were showing is actually exactly the dimensions of the final device. Yeah, it really could be. Um, That's totally Before the iPhone 6 came out and they really changed the form factor, um, that came out in like September of 2014. 
15. Yeah. Um, and I would, so in June, I was hanging out at WWC with Arnold Kim of Mac Rumors, and he was like, oh, by the way, here's a case for the iPhone 6 that isn't out yet. And I was like, what? That's hilarious. Like he had, you know, gotten gotten the specs and gotten these cases sourced from the from the you know the Chinese companies that make the, the early cases. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he had, you know, his logo put on them and was giving them out at WWC, <laughs> like as a you know, kind of as a gag. Oh, and then hilarious. the iPhone six came out and I had that case still, you know, on launch day and fit it in, fit perfectly. So Yeah. That kind of so stuff, the yeah, whatever has, those specs were, they made this like fake iPhone from it. The, the color was a little off, and they were like, "Look, it has a new pink color." And it's just like, "Come on, they no. would make it match." Like it's Apple; they're not just going to be like. And a new feature of the phone is that it doesn't match the other phone. It's got an ugly color. That's our new feature. It's rose blah. <laughs> Yeah, rose everyone black. here loved uh, John Oliver's line about how the rose gold phone looks like a salmon dinner that's been vomited on a pair <laughs> of dirty ballet shoes. I laughed pretty hard at that. Um, so one of the questions that's come up, and I think it's a very reasonable one to discuss, is the 16 gig or 32 gig starting point because that's been kind of Apple's. I don't know. I hate when they cheap out on RAM. I know they save, uh, you know, they save money on Flash if they do this, but I don't think 16 gig is really adequate for a lot of people. It's adequate for some people if. Everything's in the cloud and life is perfect and inadequate. Inadequate. Yeah, I don't I wouldn't recommend anyone buy a sixteen gig phone at this point. And they will probably I would not be surprised if this is four hundred and fifty bucks at sixteen gigs and you have to pay five hundred to get thirty two. That's probably the strategy. What do you think, Roman? Sixteen well, you, gig phones? You know what? There, uh, there is a one reason why I recommend a sixteen gig phone. Yeah. It's for kids. Oh. So they stop downloading uh, apps willy nilly. Yeah, because I run you can out only of room. Hold like two days worth of Snapchat. Right. <laughs> right. Like uh, I uh, recently handed off my old phones to my sons, and one of them was a 16 gig phone, and I purposely gave him the 16 gig phone <laughs> so he wouldn't always download these crazy games and stuff. So that it was it was kind of a way to manage what he downloads without give him some limits. Yeah, oh, that is very limits. funny. So that was, that. It was, yeah. like, back in my day, iPhones were four gigabytes and right. we liked it. So that, that was kind of, that, the six, that's where the 16 gigabytes comes in handy. That's the only reason why I would recommend someone get a 16 gigabyte phone. Well, yeah. it's a good thing if you're helping someone get a phone who is not very techno savvy, it's possible getting them a smaller one will keep them from doing the same thing too. Like, I mean, it just leads to problems with like, you know, fill it up with pictures really fast and then you're like, okay, and then you just have more like I mean, and eventually all the phones fill up with pictures and videos, and you gotta, you know, have some kind of, you know, solution to manage that. Um, so it's just delaying the inevitable. But I mean, I have a 16 gigabyte iPad, and it's a big problem. Like the the games that my son plays are kind of big, like the Tokoboka apps and stuff. There, some of them are like a gig each, so we can only have so many of those. We can't keep all of them. We have to rotate them in and out. And then the the movies and stuff. So like we have Amazon Prime, so we get their amazing streaming service, and their app is so great. So you can stream anything, and you can download whatever you want for offline viewing. And then you know I also buy him a lot of stuff in the iTunes Store, but you can't stream that to the iPad, mm-hmm. even if you're on Wi-Fi. If I want to see something that I bought, I have to download it and store it locally before I can watch it on the iPad, which is really strange. So if they did it more like Amazon where I could keep all that stuff in the cloud yeah. and just stream it to my iPad, the 16 gigabytes wouldn't be a big deal. So this is a constant, that's just a big hole in their service yeah, that makes the 16 gigabytes kind of stink. 
So Mac 911 uh, address is constant stream of people talking about iCloud photo library and iCloud storage and optimizing and storing locally. And, you know, hey, I tapped optimized images, but my phone is still full and I can't manage it. And, blah, you know, it's Apple's approach to this. I mean, especially I'm still irritated that five gigabyte is their free level of iCloud. It's like it should be. I think they should give you at least as much storage as your device free when you own a device just goes with it. So you get five gig is like a no iOS device free limit. And if you have a 32 gig phone, you get 32 gigs. Cause most Ooh, people, that would be good. Yeah. I've, people have talked about this for a long time. Cause most people, I mean, on average, most people are storing probably below five gigs on iCloud, unless they're using iCloud photo library, in which case uh, they're tied into the ecosystem. So permanently that they probably buy Macs. And I mean, it, it's, it's weird how they're not rewarding people for being part of the ecosystem and they don't make that much money. A few dollars a person uh, for unused storage. I don't know. It's just, it's a, it's a constant thing I hear about from our readers that they uh, just don't want to have to manage the storage part as much. And so if Apple gave, you know, even if it was 30 gigs or 64 gigs or whatever total across all your devices, if you own iOS, whatever, it would still be nice. And instead you have to bump up to the, uh, you know, 200 gig levels or 500 gig levels and pay a few bucks. Um, they are, Apple is overcharging for cloud storage relative to other providers who offer similar services like Amazon and Google, uh, for no good reason, which is unfortunately the Apple thing is like they get margin because they lock you in. And if their services work well enough, you're willing to pay the premium. But when the services are kind of the same as everyone else's, but locked in, you're like, that just feels like being overcharged as opposed to getting a premium thing at a premium price. That's what I say. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I'm, I'm an old grump today, apparently. Um, <laughs> you know, last time we published, I don't remember if it was in the podcast or if it was on the site, we had, you know, kind of a thing being like 16 gigs still. Oh, my gosh. Like, come on, Apple. Um, I did hear from a couple of people who were like, oh, you know, I manage like a large group of devices for like a business or a work group or something. And we give everyone 16 gigabyte devices. So that's mm -hmm. another, you know, I guess another use case is that if you're giving people something for work and you're like, why, why do you need all those videos? You're not playing Minecraft. Just get back to work. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guess that's I guess that's a thing, but I'm a consumer and I have a lot of TV to watch, so <laughs> I want something big. Going uh, to 64 gigs on my, my everyday phone like really took away a lot of my storage problems. That same here. I was doing 16 for a while and just dying, and then I went to 32, and I think I, think I have 64 now I've forgotten because I do a lot of cloud stuff, but it's at least I don't have to manage my phone storage anymore. So whatever I think I paid, the thing that the rumors can't really tell us is, yeah. I mean, the rumors like mostly focus on, you know, like specs, what it'll be, what it'll cost. Um, but the, what, the thing that I'm most interested in seeing at the event itself is like what, you know, what Apple has to say, like how, how they're going to try to fit this into the current lineup and into the current cycle. And this is the the first time they'll have like three different phones and like, you know, what are they going to do? Are they going to differentiate them by size? Like they have been with the iPhone or they or with the, um, with the iPad, you know, you have the, you have the big one and the little one, or are they going to, you know, take it over to the Mac side where it's like, okay, this is the pro one and this is the, you know, not as pro one and they're going to differentiate them by capability. So it's going to be really interesting to see like how, how it fits in. Um, is is this phone intended to stick around more than one year? Mm -hmm. Will it um, will it be able to participate in like you know the replacement program and the new kind of model of buying phones at the Apple Store on installments, or is that they're just going to be like, nope, this is just unlocked. You buy it, you keep it, that's it. Um, so it's just you know how, kind of how how are they going to try to sell it and and wh how are they going to to convince people that this is this is the phone for them? 
I like the idea of the being at the end of numbers. That seems like a, a good thing. Like, yeah, will this be the end of the numbers? Will they go like yeah. iPhone SE, iPhone Pro, you know, who knows? iPhone Big Gulp. <laughs> you know, I was kind of wondering, because you know how with the Apple Watch, people have multiple bands because they want to accessorize properly. Yeah. And so, f- for example, so, all right, here's my train of thought. So... I was at my sister's wedding a couple months ago, and I was wearing a suit, and I have the uh, iPhone 6S Plus, so I have the big, the big giant phone. And the problem with having the big giant phone was like it didn't really fit in my pockets for my suit. So I was like, I really wish I had a smaller phone. And then I thought, I wonder if people have multiple phones that they use to accessorize. So for it, so, your day phone and your night phone. My day phone, my <laughs> night phone. Like I would have like the iPhone SE, my smaller phone, for in in instances where I want to carry a smaller phone. And does anybody ever do that? I don't think so. People just have the one phone and they use it. But syncing would be a pain because you could just you know swap your SIM card in and out. Right. You like could Flo just swap wants your to SIM- borrow my phone to do some like photo tests with the Galaxy, and she's like, yeah. "Oh, but you like, do we have an extra? I don't want to use someone's phone." I'm like, "Okay, they're very expensive, so we don't have an extra, but you can just take mine. I'll throw my SIM card in another phone in case you know, like my kid cracks his head open at school and I need to be reached." <laughs> yeah, you can set up iTunes so that your purchases appear on all your devices. Yeah, so that's yeah. not such a big deal. Yeah, that's anymore. true. I mean, everything's cloud, so your email would all be there. Right. What if the phone, what if you could slide a smaller phone out of your bigger phone? So yeah, right? A phone like dock. a phone inside a phone? Like <laughs> right. when the iPhone 4 got found, it right. was inside a case bar. that made yeah. it look like an older phone? Exactly. I just saw, by the way. Like a nesting dolls of phones. <laughs> and you just keep opening your phone and there's a smaller phone. So this morning, uh, Susie, you posted one of Chris Finn's uh, uh, Think Retro pieces about um, the, uh, the uh, G4 Cube, which I loved and I owned for years. Uh, one of my favorite Macs, actually. And uh, somebody tweeted at me after I posted the link. He said, oh, I was an engineer on the G4 Cube. And the thing that surprised us is we didn't know how it was going to look like. And when it came out, we were like, huh, they took our engineering rig and stuck it in a Lucite Cube. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh. They had no idea. That was the raw thing they were working with, which was typical. They didn't know what the final form factor would look like. That had never happened before and apparently never since. But. Wow. Ex-Apple employee. That's a good little bit. What if they had taken their like square computer and put it in a sphere? It was like Mac ball. Or if it hadn't been clear, (laughs) if it had been aluminum perhaps, but uh, yeah. What if it was clear aluminum? I love the cube so much. You could push on the bottom of the handle and pull it out to get access. It was so great. Yeah. I never actually got to do that. So watching Chris's videos was was really fun. fun. I upgraded it with, uh, I got to put a new video card in it at some point and a new hard drive, which was easy to swap in and memory. And uh, it was like a full size hard drive, like a three and a half yeah, inch yeah. It was big great. old it was desktop great. hard drive that they don't have in any Macs anymore. The, the mini <laughs> is the perfection of the cube. I think like, the mini is the revenge of the cube. I know this is now the CubeCast, but, um, but the cube was, I think I used it for four or five years as my primary machine. And uh, I, I adored it. It was overpriced, but it made no noise. I didn't want to have a, you know, the, the Power Max at the time were quite loud yeah. and quite hot. And this I could just stick in the corner of a, of a actually hot, unair-conditioned, um, noisy office. And it was just an oasis of sound. Anyway, so that's why that, – so that's my argument that you should be able to get a phone inside a bigger phone. <laughs> you just pull out. Phone dock. 
Susie, you have thoughts about headphone jack before we finish up on the SE. Oh, yeah, yeah. My final thought on the iPhone SE is like, what if this is the last iPhone with the headphone jack? And maybe that's why they're putting it out like so kind of off cycle. So that way in September, I mean, they put this phone out in March. It's only six months old when the when the new phone comes out. So if the new iPhone 7 or whatever they're going to call it comes out without a headphone jack and everyone loses their damn minds. (laughs) Apple can be like, oh, well, we got this other phone that has an iPhone headphone jack and, you know, we have a bunch of ugly dongles and and go forth and, and enjoy. So I don't know. That's that's my new theory is that maybe it, will it have a headphone jack? I'm interested to see. I feel like it's such a big change. They drop everyone's going to lose their minds. They're really going to go. Nuts oh, yeah, they totally. It's like light, remember yeah. the lightning port came out. Everyone went insane. It was like all their old equipment died. But it was, you know, it's the same thing. When lightning came out, it was abrupt. It's been I think it was a great transition in terms of what capability was brought. And your cable is so less personal than like the thing you wear on your head all day. <laughs> oh, no, no, I know. And it, but it was like the lightning thing it was people lost their minds over it because people had invested so heavily in dock based stuff you know bought billions of dollars of things that required a 30 pin dock cable or connector mm-hmm. and so people saw that investment disappear right in this and case those little things weren't ready yet they were yeah, like right. oh you here's your phone anything. you'll get the adapters in like a month oh <laughs> yeah well lightning or whatever is, it was yeah, those were got, a couple long weeks the mfi program you know is up and running but the li- lightning was something you had a license you couldn't create kind of but knock like, even apple's it. adapters weren't out yet at launch oh, it yeah it mess. was it was not i mean but you know they like apple likes to rip that band-aid off ow just really enjoy it. Uh, well, we'll see. There'll be headphone adapters. Let's hope, adapter. let's hope they're available when they ship. Um, well, one last hardware thing I wanted to point out, because I've been doing a lot of work for Mr. Roman Loyola here, about uh, USB-C devices. Um, we've been talking about a lot of those, and we're kind of expecting we will see more USB-C-based um, hardware from Apple. We're definitely starting to see an acceleration from other firms. And I uh, did a battery roundup for Roman uh, not long ago looking at USB-C batteries, and there's a few more coming out soon so probably revisit that uh looking at uh, usb-c docks there's one from owc there's a review in progress on that uh, i got one from um uh, satechi sorry satechi there's so many yeah, companies yeah. They, didn't make uh, they have a micro dock i'm looking at anchor is sending me one that makes uh, their battery and cable maker that i really like they're gonna send one um uh hard drives i see i think you put that note in Susie's hard drives are coming or is it yeah i just got a pitch about a. Uh... USB-C hard drive from G Technology. Only took a year to get to this point. Uh, I guess it wasn't <laughs> I quite. I think PC World might have a couple too. I keep forgetting to ask uh, Gordon. Have yeah. you heard about any USB-C hard drives, Roman? Uh, I haven't heard. Of, I heard of the G Tech one, but I haven't I like heard G- a, a lot in general. I like G Tech. I've uh, enjoyed owning their hardware. So it's but so the ecosystem. I, the thing that I was waiting for was pass through power, and now a lot of stuff has passed through power. So I think. I don't know if it was a spec issue. It was probably a manufacturing thing that the uh, components firms just weren't ramped up to it because there wasn't enough demand. And I think it's a complicated engineering problem. Uh, and I think the computer makers and phone makers were hoping other people would solve it. <laughs> this, I mean, Apple didn't say this in so many words in March of 2015. But when I poked about, you know, what about other adapters? They're like, an ecosystem will arise. It's like, okay, so you're saying you're not going to make them. Uh, you're just hoping the industry, like USB, its introduction just kind of rallies around it. Uh, didn't happen with FireWire very much. Um, might happen. Uh, and one last item, uh, I've got a Canex Apple TV adapter in-house that, uh, Susie, you remember when the uh, latest Apple TV came out and people did lose their minds over the uh, lack of uh, 
Uh, yes, I was one digital, of those people. Yeah, optical digital. I still digital, have my old app, Apple TV, like still hooked up, still attached to my stereo. Optical digital audio. So, once in a while. So, yeah, so a lot. You know, the thing is, you can get a lot of people have H, and and I, I was I made the mistake of believing well, most modern receivers do HDMI pass through, so you just plug it in and it powers your speakers and got tons and tons of email from people describing their setups. And they're like, well, I don't want to update. Everything works. I have an HDTV set that does HDMI, but my stereo doesn't. I don't want to get a new stereo. I'm like, oh, okay. Yep, uh, that was me. And I had just updated a receiver not a couple of years ago, I think it was now, that did HDMI pass-through. So I was in that situation. So anyway, CanX is coming out with, uh, you could get already, uh, last year I wrote a little bit about this. You could buy HDMI splitters from kind of these, you know, sort of white label companies never heard of before or the reviews were weird or you know the product just looked slightly bizarre that would take hdmi input and split out audio but canx is a their vendor we know well uh, they've shipped gear for years i've reviewed their other products so i haven't put it through its paces yet but it's a nice little powered black adapter you plug it into the hdmi port of an apple tv and it has uh, the full uh, optical digital uh, tos link style output so you can plug an analog cable in or you can plug the Toslink cable in, which provides full 5.1 stereo surround sound stereo decoding. And then you run an HDMI, HDMI cable out of it into your TV and you can get what you want, Susie. So Yay. there you go. So I'll, I'll be uh, running it through its paces and make sure it actually meets it. But it's kind of, it's a really simple device. Like, will it actually decode 5.1 sound correctly and not mess with the picture? Yes, no. It's kind of a binary review. Like, there's not a lot of gray areas. There's no dials. <laughs> there's no drivers. You, like, plug it in and it's going to do it right or not. So I'll be testing that. Cool. Well, I think that brings us to the end of the podcast. Yeah. I think what? that's all we got. Next week we'll have, you know... We'll have episode 500. That's a big thing to look forward to. And then we'll have new products to discuss. Thank you, Apple, for timing your announcement to uh, time with our episode 500. It's very kind of you. And, yeah, Apple's uh, having a, a big milestone coming up, too. Uh, what would that be? Uh, April 1st is the 40th anniversary of Apple existing as a company. That's very exciting. Very yep. exciting. I'm glad they exist. They make my life difficult sometimes, but I like them. 1979, so three years after that, when I was a nerdy kid in Eugene, Oregon, there was a computer that's store. I was born. Oh my gosh! Well, there's a computer store near me. Oh, no, that's now I feel old. Thank you. Yeah, there's a computer <laughs> store near me, <laughs> and uh, I used to go up to this computer store and hang out. And they let me hang out because there weren't that many customers. I got to say, most of the time, uh, and um, they had Apple IIs. And I was so excited about the Apple II. I couldn't afford an Apple II. I bought what was uh, called OSI, Ohio Scientific C1P. Which had the same processor as an as a Apple II, uh, but it cost three hundred and thirty three bucks, which is probably five thousand dollars today in, uh, after inflation. Uh, but my parents got me one of those. I did not get an Apple II. Never owned an Apple II. The Mac was my first Apple product uh, years later. But uh, I remember seeing those and thinking, "This is the future. It's got graphics and everything." <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you, Roman Leola, senior editor at MacWorld. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to have you, Susie. Great to talk to you as always. Yes, I'll see you next week. You you will, and perhaps there may be some surprises next week. Who knows? Yeah, it's gonna be gonna be good. Hard to tell. And I have been and remain Glenn Fleischman, a senior contributor to MacWorld. This has been the episode one shy of five hundred, number four nine nine for March sixteenth, two thousand sixteen. You can find us online at MacWorld.com, of course. Send us email podcast at MacWorld.com or comment on the article to which this podcast was attached. Let us know what you think. Find us on Twitter, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening.